Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. It is the 3rd of May. And I've got a new background for you. We'll see if you like it or not. I thought it'd be fun to put a different background, um, possibly each month. If you think it's too weak, it's too weird. Let me know. I'll put the other one back on. Uh, obviously, airbrushed, threw some butterflies in there and different things. But it is a real picture, um, and kind of nice. Kind of almost a different perspective of the other picture different i think different angle or something anyway thought i'd let you take a look let me know what you think so let's look over into this day in history and a little dad joker too this day in history may 3rd very interesting in 1375 the babylonians successfully predicted the first eclipse obviously they've been watching eclipses since the days of Adam and Eve, but the first successful prediction was in 1375, which I find fascinating because, remember, it's many, many years later, um, almost a thousand years later, that um, Daniel will be in Babylon and will train up the Magi to be looking up into the heavens and to be looking for a specific star. So they were already established astronomers looking for into the heavens. And um, they're finding all over the world, um, you know, these astronomical observation posts of every culture were heavily invested in looking up in the night sky. And of course, here was a daytime prediction of the first successful uh, solar eclipse. The other interesting thing, there's only a couple I want to mention today, that Mormons were established on this day, or this is the, the, the in 1833, they adopt the name Latter-day Saints. Well, they will be Latter-day Saints if they get saved in the tribulation. <laughs> Let's pray for that. Let's be praying for our friends who have been sadly deceived very uh, by Joseph Smith, who was known for telling tall tales. And uh, when you look into his history, and have a theology that they're super nice people. Uh, they love family, and they have some outwardly on the surface. They have some beautiful things they can uh, say and do and offer for people, but their theology is demonic. It's the only way you can say it. It is anti-Christ 100%. And if you've never really looked into them in depth, please do. Any questions, let, let me know. U.S. Department of Navy is established May 3rd, 1798. Interesting. And the first medical school, May 3rd, 1765. The department in the University of Pennsylvania established first medical school. There you go. So how about a joke or two as we get our hearts set upon the word this morning? What's a horse's number one priority when voting? 
a stable economy. Economy. It's, it's more funny. I tried to say economy. Um, my psychiatrist says I have an I have an unhealthy obsession with revenge. We'll see about that. That wasn't really the button I wanted to hit. Um, Okay, let's go over to the reading for today. We are in Judges. And I'm going back to 12 today because I missed it yesterday. So I apologize for missing it yesterday. So just on the English version this morning, we'll go chapter 12. 13, 14, and 15, we got a lot to cover. So let's pray and get into it. Father, thank you for this morning. Guide us and direct us. Help us in our understanding of your word. And thank you that we have your word, that we are blessed above all other people, Father, that we have the revealed word from heaven, your words for us, how to live and have a blessed life and be blessed by you. And also be conditioned and looking forward to our eternity with you to know what our future holds. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Judges chapter 12, Jephthah and his successors. Then the men of Ephraim were summoned, and they crossed to Zaphon and said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the sons of Ammon without calling us to go with you? We will burn your house down on you. Jephthah said to them, I and my people were at great strife with the sons of Ammon. When I called you, you did not deliver me from their hand. When I saw that you would not deliver me, I took my life in my own hands and crossed over against the sons of Ammon, and the Lord gave them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Then Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and fought Ephraim. The men of Gilead defeated Ephraim because they said, You are fugitives of Ephraim, O Gileadites. In the midst of Ephraim, in the midst of Manasseh, the Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan opposite Ephraim. And it happened when any of the fugitives of Ephraim said, Let me cross over, the men of Gilead would say to him, Are you an Ephraimite? If they said no, then they would say to him, Say now, Shibboleth. But he said, Sibboleth for he could not pronounce it correctly. Then they seized him and slew him at the fords of the Jordan. Thus fell there at that time 42,000 of Ephraim. Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died, and he was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. Now Ibsen of Bethlehem judged Israel after him, and he had 30 sons and 30 daughters whom he gave in marriage outside the family, and he brought in 30 daughters from outside his sons, and he judged Israel seven years. Ibsen died and was buried in Bethlehem. Then Elon, the Zebulonite, judged Israel after him, and he judged Israel ten years. And Elon, the Zebulonite, died and was buried in Ajalon in the land of Zebulun. Now Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Parathonite, judged Israel after him. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons, and rode on seventy donkeys. And he judged Israel eight years. And Abdon and his son Hillel, the Pirathonite, died and was buried at that Pithron, the land of Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. Chapter 13. Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. 
there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like that of the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. And I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son. And now you shall not drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you have sent come to us again, that he may teach us what to do for the boy who is to be born. God listened to the voice of Manoah. And the angel of the Lord came again to the woman as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man that spoke to the woman? And he said, I am. Manoah said, Now, when your words come to pass, what shall be the boy's mode of life and his vocation? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Let the woman pay attention to all that I said. She should not eat anything that comes from the vine or drink any strong drink, or eat any unclean thing. Let her observe all that I have commanded. Then Manoah said to the angel, Lord, please let us detain you, so that we may prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, so that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? But the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with a grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, and he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came about when the flame went up, from the altar towards heaven, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. Now the angel of the Lord did not appear to Manoah or his wife again. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. So Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had desired to kill us, he would have. He would not have accepted the burnt offering and the grain offering from our hand, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have let us hear things like this at this time. Then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson, and the child grew up, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Estral. Chapter 14. Then Samson 
went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all your people that you go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she looks good to me. However, his father and his mother did not know that it was the Lord, for he was seeking an occasion against the Philistines. Now at that time, the Philistines were ruling over Israel. Then Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came roaring towards him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that he tore him as one tears a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. But he did not tell this to his father or mother what he had done. So he went down and talked to the woman, and she looked good to Samson. And when he returned later to her, he turned aside to look at the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the body of the lion. So he scraped the honey into his hand and went on eating as he went. When he came to his father and his mother, he gave them some, and they ate it, but he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey out of the body of the lion. When his father went down to the woman, and Samson made a feast there, for the young men customarily did this, when they saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. Then Samson said to them, Now let me propound a riddle to you, if you will indeed tell it to me within the seven days of the feast, and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen wraps of and 30 changes of clothes. But if you are unable to tell me, then you shall give me 30 linen wraps and 30 changes of clothes. Then they said to him, Propound the riddle, that we may hear it. So he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. But they could not tell the riddle in three days. Then it came about on the fourth day that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband so that he will tell us the riddle or we will burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us to impoverish us? Is this not so? Samson's wife wept before him and said, You only hate me, and you do not love me. You have propounded a riddle to the sons of my people, and have not told it to me. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told it to my father or mother. Should I tell you? However, she wept before him seven days while the feast lasted. And on the seventh day, he told her because she persisted him so hard. She then told the riddle to the sons of her people. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day, Before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed thirty men and took their spoil and gave the changes of clothes to who told the riddle. And his anger burned, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his friend. Chapter 15. But after a while, 
In the time of the wheat harvest, Samson visited his wife with a young goat and said, I will go in to my wife in her room. But her father did not let him enter. Her father said, I really thought you hated her intensely, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please let her be yours instead. Samson then said to them, This time I shall be blameless in regard to the Philistines when I do them harm. Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches and turned the foxes tail to tail and put one torch in the middle between two tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he released the foxes into the standing grain of the Philistines, thus burning up both the shocks and the standing grain along the vineyards and groves. And the Philistines says, who did this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he took his wife and gave her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Samson said to them, since you act like this, I will surely take revenge on you. But after that, I will be quiet. He struck them ruthlessly with a great slaughter. And he went down and lived in the cleft of the rock of Etam. Now the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and spread out in Lehi. The men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? And they said, we have come up to bind Samson in order to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Etam and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us. And he said to them, as they did to me, so I have done to them. They said to him, we have come down to bind you so that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. So Samson said to them, swear to me that you will not kill me. And they said to him, no, but we will bind you fast and give you into their hands. Yet surely we will not kill you. Then they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that is burned with fire, and his bounds dropped from his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, so he reached out, and he took it, and he killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. When he had finished speaking, he threw the jawbone from his hand, and he named the place Ramath Lehi. And he became very thirsty, and he called to the Lord and said, Have you given this great deliverance by my hand, your servants, and now shall I die from thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? But God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, so that water came out. And when he drank, his strength returned, and he revived. Therefore he named the place in Hakoe, which is Lehi to this day. So he just Israel 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Well, there's so much we can go into in these chapters. And uh, I, I did, you know, four teachings at least, or five teachings on at least five teachings, probably six or seven on these chapters, which are all in the book of Judges, which hopefully I have on the web all completed. If you get interested, because there's a lot of detail here. We'll just look at the life of, of Samson by past 12. But the, the whole issue of the Nazarite, the Nazarite vow, 
This was something God decided to do very different than the other judges. The closest we have is Samson, um, Samuel. Samuel, he was in the same boat. He was really a, a Nazarite as well as Samson. The two are contrasted drastically. Uh, you know, he was a Nazarite from birth, and he, he was given to the Lord. His mother did the same thing, could not bear a child. She prays. She weeps. God says she's going to have a child, and she dedicates the child and gives him to Eli. He grows up in the temple serving or serving the Lord. Samson is completely different. You know, God comes to his mother and says, you're going to have a child. She wasn't praying for a child at that time. And he's going to deliver Israel. He's more of a, a military deliverer. Samuel's more a priest um, and spiritual, although he was also a judge. His role was a little more in the spiritual direction and helping Israel that way. And, of course, Samson doesn't end so well. Samuel ends very well. He stays faithful. Samson does not. Samuel draws closer to the Lord, and Samson draws closer to the flesh. He Now, he says that it was God's desire that he marry this, this Timnite. They're living in Judah, but they're going down into Philistine country. Not a good thing to go down into Philistine country to go look for uh, a wife or look for, you know, whatever it is. See, he's he's drawing closer to the world. Um, and was it God giving him that desire for the Philistine woman? Or was God just allowing that to happen because he wanted to judge them? I tend to think the latter because we see his whole life, Samson, is growing towards the flesh. He seems to get more and more interested about what he can have for himself than what he can do for the Lord. And he finally realizes how tragic, you know, how wrong he was at the end of his life. Uh, so we'll read about that tomorrow. So Samson is just kind of an interesting character because it's what we would call growing up in the ministry. He was kind of, he was uh, supposed to be a spiritual leader from his birth and grow up like Samuel, essentially, around spiritual leaders and helping learn how to lead the people. But he rebelled. I, I guess rebel is the right word against that. He certainly drifts away from that. And there is a danger when our kids are growing up in church that that can happen. It's why we've got to keep directing them to the personal relationship with the Lord and not the church relationship with the Lord. We have to help them find their own relationship and just remind them and our grandkids, a lot of us don't, our kids are grown. We have to keep them pointed towards the Lord in all aspects and get them to find the Lord. So a lot of crazy things. <laughs> Did he really have 300 foxes? How do you find 300 foxes? Uh, th there are theologians that are very convinced and quite comfortable with the idea that the Bible uses generalities in numbers and often uses certain numbers to represent things uh the 70 donkeys you know that the one of the judges had that he rode on 70 donkeys that'd be kind of hard to ride on 70 donkeys <laughs> you have to have an awfully wide <laughs> you have to have a big platform put on all 70 at the same time the idea is 70 can represent uh completion and 70 strength you know multiples of of seven and so they they're not they're not uh 
worried about exact numbers. The Bible can generalize things for emphasis of strength and in doing something. So um, even killing a thousand men with a jawbone. Now, it's probably literal, but um, it doesn't necessarily have to be 1,000 men. So you look at the theologians. It doesn't necessarily have to be 300 foxes because that in itself, that would kind of be a, that would be a bigger miracle to me than killing a thousand men all, all congregated against you to find 300 foxes to be able to tie their tails together. But that's what he did, and, uh, and, and that's what he does through all of this. We see these bizarre things. We're, we're going to see with Samson is it's really all about him breaking his covenant with the Lord and, uh, and why he, God was using him to judge Israel to bring Israel back to himself. But in doing, in doing that, he was not paying attention to what God was doing. He was really paying attention to what his flesh wanted, and it caused a great, great problem for him and for Israel at that time. All right, let's move over to Charles Spurgeon. Listen for the signal. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of the going in of the tops of the mulberry trees that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee and smite the host of the Philistines. Second Samuel 5.24 there are signs of the Lord's moving which should move us. The Spirit of God bows where he, where he listeneth, and we hear the sound thereof. Then is the time for us to be more than ever a steer. We must seize the golden opportunity and make the most we can of it. It is ours to fight Philistines at all times. But when the Lord himself goes out before us, then we should be especially valiant in the war. The breeze stirred the tops of the trees, and David and his men took this for the signal for the onslaught, and that their advance the Lord himself smote the Philistines. Oh, that this day the Lord may give us an opening to speak for him with many of our friends. Let us be on the watch to avail ourselves for the hopeful opening when it comes. Oh, who knows? But this may be the day of good tidings, a season for soul winning. Let us keep our ear open to hear the rustle of the wind and our minds ready to obey the signal. Is not this promise? Then shall the Lord go out before thee. A sufficient encouragement to play the man. Since the Lord goes before us, we dare not hold back. Father, what a beautiful sentiment, what a beautiful devotion, and we, uh, we certainly got to echo that, agree with that. We listen, God, for your moving, opening up doors of the things around us so that we might uh, take opportunity to speak with those people whom we care about, the people that we meet. Reminded of the, the woman that was just walking by the house in this baby, and Renee stopped and, and, and encouraged and gave a little help to felt so so sick and down and depressed and prayed for her and then she showed up just a few days later to tell Renee how much better that God healed her God touched her her heart was lifted up she was encouraged and she received father 
she received you in that whole in that whole exchange she she was drawn to you and so we thank you for those things those are the the beautiful things that can go on when we are astute when we're open when we're listening for the rustling of the the wind in the trees when we know that you're you're blowing people our way with that things are are happening that are providential and we're not ignoring them so thank you for the uh, Renee's faith and Espady's faith and their astuteness and their being open to your moving of your spirit. And that's the kind of thing we pray for God as we go through our day. And even if it's with our kids or our grandkids or people that are needing to hear that we do have a gracious, forgiving God, a merciful God, and a good God, and help um, those around us that are discouraged, God, let them be lifted up today and their hearts be encouraged by something that they can see in you, something in the word. So thank you for the victories we have seen and that we'll continue to see. And in that in that light, God, we do pray for the outreach for the whosoevers and all that you want to do through them as they come here with the skaters and the schools. I lift that whole thing up to you. I should have blessed it abundantly, God, so that we can see those youth that are lost and hurting and just confused be brought into your kingdom, Father, to know you personally. Thank you for that. And thank you for the um, evangelism team that goes out. And thank you for the mission and all the kids and uh, all the people working there hard to just keep a constant diet of your word coming up in the lives of these kids so they can grow up and not depart from it, God. It's so, so important that we lay that foundation in their lives. So they have, they have a base to work from. That's truth, and that's love, and that's real. So we thank you, God, for the opportunity out at the mission. And as you continue to give Renee and Espady and Claudia and Carlos and, uh, and all the other uh, people that come alongside to help, creativity, steadfastness, and just, um, just sincere hearts for these kids. So... Thank you for that. Thank you for uh, the people you're healing. Uh, we would ask you to continue to heal even our, uh, our friends with dealing with Lyme's disease. It's such a difficult uh, thing to deal with, Father. And there's a number of people that have been to church that have had Lyme disease that, are, that are still come back occasionally from going to the clinic here. So... We, we do pray that you bring healing to their bodies, that you're healing people through this clinic so that people can get their lives back. That is so devastating. So we pray for that family in Buffalo. We pray for our missionary friends, God, that are dealing with cancer and struggling, God, just to keep their, their ministries going. So we thank you for all, all you're doing in their life. And uh, for Francisco, obviously, Father, that he might find the ability to the strength and wherewithal, God, to speak, sit up in bed, eat solid food. Pray, God, that uh, that you bring healing in his, in his mind, complete healing. We know it takes a long time. Swelling needs to go down, but we pray you could accelerate it, God. For Juan Carlos, we're praying for an answer. What's going on in his head that he can get the right answers quickly. Um, but thank you for their life and their, their faithfulness to you. And... Um, Father, we want to continue to pray for Karen and with her 
cancer and just feeling horrible and uh, really, really needing, Father, strength in her body and food and medicine and vitamins to to revitalize her body against all of the treatments that have been trying to fight off the cancer. Celeste as well, I'm sure, Father, who is... Who's, who seems to be operating and doing her videos and ministry, but her body needs the antibodies. She needs to fight off this cancer. So thank you for that. I want to pray for for um, Ray is getting her feet looked at. Um, the MRIs got that they wouldn't find anything serious, that she would be able to get whatever treatment so that she could get healed up fast. I know what it's like to have feet that hurt. Uh, it's really difficult to get around, so um, so we want to pray for 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 that. She gets a good report on her feet. We want to pray for Anna Brionis and her lungs, and uh, all of her little projects. God, pray for her artwork. She might be able to keep, keep doing that. You pray, keep her. God, um, she's she's always busy. She's always doing things. So just keep her creative. God, in her ministry of sharing you online and talking to people. So we want to pray for that and uh, want to pray for Renee with her just body aches that are going on all over. Just difficult, Father, for her to get going in the morning because the body doesn't always want to want to move. I'm feeling the same thing uh, with my shoulder. Thank you that it's feeling a little better, doing a little bit, little bit better, God. Thank you for that. And uh, But we do pray that you would bring Renee's body into... Um, proper working order today, tomorrow, the next day, so that these pains would, would just minimize and go away so she can continue to work and get the things done she wants for you. So we praise you, God. We thank you for this day, for the things you are doing in our life. Um, and just give us all sleep, God, at night. Help us rest as we need to rest in you, uh, myself included, getting not as many hours as I know I need, but we want to be strong in these days for the things that are coming. We do want to thank you for this recent decision uh, in the in the Supreme Court of the United States of Roe versus Wade. It looks like, Father, that they're overturning it, which is a huge, enormous victory. It's going to create all kinds of stir. But, Father, it is showing that people still still care, that people still are fighting the fight for the unborn. This could mean this the saving of millions of lives. And we know that the, the decision for abortions will fall to the states, but we know there'll be many states that um, will make it illegal. And then finally, Father, we want to pray for New Mexico and the fires that are continuing to spread, continuing to get worse, and, uh, and all the people that have lost homes and the lives that have been devastated, the people that are just crushed and don't know what to do. Uh, right now we really really pray god that you would reach out and touch them thank you that calvary vegas is being used as a distribution point for food that they're working hard other people george and tanya are working very hard helping people um all the believers up there sure working very hard to help people pray for the old family that have to move their factory up there and get all the equipment out and that have their ranch kind of threatened again up in the Pecos somewhat. So we really want to pray for the old family that they not have to endure any more damage to the ranch, but also no damage to their factory, uh, which is in Las Vegas on the edge. So we pray for protection um, for them and for all the buildings, God, 
now as the fire seems to move closer to Las Vegas. So we put it in your hands, God, and just ask for some mighty miracles to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everybody, thank you. Um, please do continue to pray. And we pray for those fires to stop up there. They're also in the southern part of the state, and there's also one in Arizona. It's getting bad, and it's not even summer. This is the earliest the fire's ever come, and it's the largest fire the state's ever seen. So it's pretty, pretty sad. Thank you. Look for us again tomorrow at the same time. Bye-bye.